take your Bibles, please, and turn back again to Acts chapter 16. Thank you, Tony, for reading from that earlier. We're going to pick up where Tony left off in just a moment. As you're turning there, let me just uh, catch you a little bit up to speed. If, if you uh, weren't here last week or the last couple of weeks, let you know what's going on. God has really impressed it upon our heart that we've got to get back to basics. And we've used a diagram of a spear to help us to understand what it is we're supposed to be about and how we're supposed to be going about it. The very point of that spear is getting the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, to people who do not know him as their personal Lord and Savior. The Bible refers to them as lost. They may be unchurched. But that is the point of our spear. That is why we're here. That's why we get up in the morning. That's why we give our gifts. That's why we get engaged in all that we're doing. That's the point of our spear. And the head of that spear especially has to do with reaching families with children still at home. That is so imperative for us. And uh, if the old saying is among hunters, you know, the woods are full of them. We have all these opportunities. What binds the head to the shaft is a commitment on our part to get beyond the theory, hey, we all understand we ought to be reaching people for the gospel, to actually doing it and putting it into action. So we've been going through some initiatives, as you see here, that's leading us to that point. There was the awareness initiative where we were really becoming more and more aware of people around us that were not engaged with Christ, did not know him in a personal way. And then the prayer initiative, which we were engaged in last week. Some of those prayer cards are right here on our communion table even now. Where we said, I'll covenant with you as a church. And the church will covenant with me to be praying for these people that, that we want to see come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to have a very simple question put to us right out of the scriptures. That in the process of answering that, we're going to be to learn even more how to share the gospel. Tony read earlier about what happened when uh, <clears throat> Paul and, and Silas found themselves in Philippi. As they were preaching, there was this demonized girl who made a great living for uh, those who owned her. It was a slave girl uh, by divination, by telling the future. And she followed after Paul and Silas. And over and over, she kept saying, These men are servants of the Most High who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Well, she was speaking truth. I want you to know something. Satan can speak truth when he wants to. Okay? He's a liar and he's always leading to a lie. But he can use the truth. And that's part of what was going on here. Paul would not allow the gospel to be announced by such a demonic power. And so he, he cast that demon out of that girl. Well, those who owned her didn't care anything about the girl, but they cared about the money that they had lost, and therefore brought charges against Paul and Silas. And as Tony ended up that reading today, uh, that, that lands them in jail. They've been beaten, and they are in, uh, in, in footstocks, and they're in the bowels of this jail. So we're going to pick up reading with verse 25. Acts, 25, uh, Acts 16 and verse 25. But at midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God at midnight. Now at midnight it's dark. But how dark is it in the bowels of a prison at midnight? Okay, that's half past dark in case you're keeping time that way. That's definitely dark. That's dark 30, okay? See, uh, Spurgeon said, it's one thing for a man to be able to sing in the light of day when he can see the notes and see the words, but it's somebody that's singing from the heart that sings at midnight when they can't sing at all. And that's indeed the case. So they're singing hymns, they're praising God, and it's at midnight. Look what it says. And the prisoners were listening to them. 
all of those throughout the prison. They couldn't see these two men, but they knew about them, and they heard them praising, heard them singing God, heard them giving glory to God, even though they had been beaten and they were arrested just like the rest of them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaking. Now, where do you want, do not want to be in the middle of an earthquake? Chained in a prison. Hello? Okay. Where are you going to run? Nowhere. Okay. So here they are. They're chained. They're in the prison. The earthquake begins. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. Does anybody see the miraculous in this? Okay, all right, the, the just the right kind of earthquake shaking in just the right places to where the doors are open and the shackles fall off, but nobody gets hurt. Hallelujah, come on, let's keep on reading here now a little bit. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners has fled, who wouldn't suppose that? All right, given the opportunity, the doors swing open, I mean, hello, yes, he supposed that. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Now, wait a minute. Why was he doing that? Well, here was the Roman law. If you were put in charge of, of guarding a prisoner and that prisoner escaped, whatever his sentence was becomes your sentence. And so he was ready to fall on his sword to take his life, which tells us some of the people in this prison were there for a capital offense. Some of them were awaiting their death. And so the jailer says, I'm not going to, to have them torture me, put me on a cross. I'll just fall on my sword right now. So let's read on. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. He knew what the jailer was thinking about. He knew what his plan was, but he knew God had a plan for this man as well. Then the jailer called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Why? He knew they were right in the middle of this. Do you think maybe he'd been listening to some of these songs and praises at midnight? Do you think maybe he, had, maybe he was the one that actually laid the stripes to their back? And in the midst of that, heard them bearing testimony of Christ, even in the midst of that. And he called for a light, and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out, and he said this. Look at these words. Look at these words in verse 30. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, that's the question out of the text I want us to spend time on this morning. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here is a man who had seen these two men, knew they were falsely accused, had to punish them anyway, beat them unmercifully, uh, locked them down in the darkest part of his prison, heard them singing praises to God in the midst of all of that. Then when the earthquake happened and he was, he was jostled out of sleep, before he took his own life, these men saved his life. Okay? Here's the thing he realized. These men were not prisoners. He was the prisoner. He was the one in prison in his own sins, and he needed help. This world around us is exactly where this world is, folks. They're realizing more and more with each passing day they're in trouble, and they need help. And they know they've tried everything else in the world they possibly can to find it, and they're reaching out even to God to find help. What must I do to be saved? 
So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. I'm going to come back to that verse a little later. This is the gospel. What must I do to be saved? This is a question. You may spend your whole life and nobody will walk up to you and say, Mark, 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 tell me what I must do to be saved. You've been in ministry yourself. How many times has that happened? You know, that just doesn't happen. You don't usually find people walking up to you and saying, tell me what I have to do to be made right with God. That usually doesn't happen. But the folks are all out there. And that's a question, whether they put it in their lips or not, there's a question on the lips of so many people that live around us every day. Your neighbors, the people you work with, those who you cross elbows with when you go shopping or you go to get gas or whatever the situation may be. And as our students are going back to school, they're going to be rubbing elbows every day with more and more people that are wanting to know, how can I be right with God? The scriptures make that abundantly clear. Will you just take your Bible? I want you to go over to the book of Romans. It's a little bit further over there to your right. Find the book of Romans in the third chapter. I want to walk you through a couple of passages right here in this brief book where Paul is so concerned that the people of Rome come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not just knowing about Jesus, but knowing him in a personal way to where they are transformed by the real and living God. And so, first of all, you've got to understand where you are with God. Most people have heard that wonderful passage from John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Most people know in some, in some broad kind of way that God loves everybody everywhere. But we don't understand our problem. And, and, and Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, will you find verse 23 for me? Here's where the problem comes down. Paul writes, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. Now, now by the word all, do you know what he means? All. Okay? That means you and you and you and you and you. That means all of us. All means all. Nobody has ever drawn breath on planet earth that doesn't fall into this category. Okay? For all have sinned. Well, now what is this? What is this word sin? Is this stealing a cookie? Is this cheating on your wife? What, what, what is this? Sin is an attitude of the heart. And this attitude says, I want what I want, and I don't care what you say. I want what I want, I don't care what God says. I'm going to get what I want. Did you know every person alive has that attitude in their heart? We're born with this selfish, I want what I want attitude. Nobody is exempt from that. But that leads to us eventually making moral choices. And those moral choices we refer to as sins. This attitude of sin is what causes us to make those moral choices that we're choosing against things that are of God. Choosing things that are wrong. Choosing things that are rebellious. So it is the attitude that leads to the stealing of the cookie. Or it's the attitude that leads to the cheating on your wife. It's I want what I want. The Bible says for all have sinned. All we've got that attitude. And what does that do? We fall short of the glory of God. We're all falling short of what God's desires for our life. Many of us are falling short of our own desires for our life. Many of us are not accomplishing right now the things we were hoping to accomplish in our lives. But God's standard is high. And without exception, each and every one of us has fallen short of that great standard. That puts us in a very difficult situation. 
God is holy. God is just. And God can no way be affronted by our sin and rebellion. So there is this deep chasm. There is this yawning divide between us and God. Oh, we can learn about God, and we can do good things, and we can, can act well, but we cannot bridge the gulf between us. The Bible goes on to say in chapter 6 of Romans, turn over a page, chapter 6, and again, find verse 23. Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin, wages, you know what ages are, wages are, this is what you earn, this is what you get for your labor. The Bible says that sin in my heart earns me wages. Sin in my heart causes things to happen. The wages, what I earn in my rebellion against God, the wages of sin is, what's that next word? Death. death. A death penalty. The wages of sin is death. And death here is not just death of the body, but this is eternal separation from God. I may be separated from God now for a season because of my attitude, but this is eternal separation from God and all that's good. The wages of sin is death. But, you see the next word, but? Ooh, I like that word. <laughs> you know, so much in your Bible pivots on that word, but. Uh, well, as you're reading along and you see that little three-letter word, just stop and say, okay, what's coming next? <laughs> Something's about to happen. It's like a mighty hinge, like a huge door would swing on. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The gift comes through the person of Jesus Christ being our Lord. Very clear. The wages of sin is death, but the gift God wants to give us is eternal life. How does that come to us? Through Jesus Christ. How does that happen? When Jesus died on the cross, he died as an innocent man. He had not given in to that sin attitude. In no way had sin ever marred his life. So as a total innocent lamb of God, he was put to death, but not to death for his own sin. What was he doing? He was taking on the sins of everybody in this room. Every person in this county. Every person on planet earth. For all time. He was taken upon himself. He's saying there's an exchange. You give me your sin. And I want to give you my eternal life. You give me your failures. And I want to give you my daily presence. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Well how is that eternal life mine? Through Jesus Christ as our Lord. What is our Lord? That's our boss. That's our king. That's our ruler. That's the person who controls our life. That's the simple gospel in, in two little verses. God, the word tells us God is not willing for a single person here, not a single person in this room, to die and go to hell. That's not God's will. I don't believe anybody. God sends anybody to hell. I don't either. He lets you make up your own mind. You get to paddle your own canoe down that, that, that stream. Okay? God's desire is not any should perish. His desire is for all to come to repentance. You know what God's will for is for you today? 
God's will for you right now today is for you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. According to what the Bible says. Not what Brother Fred says, but the Bible. This is the gospel, plain and simple. How do I do that, Brother Fred? You just simply pray and bear your heart before God. You say, God, I, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I've been doing life my own way. But right now I die to believe, dare to believe that when you died, you died to take my sins upon yourself. And when you rose again, it was to where you could give me your very eternal life. Right now I want you to come into my heart to be the boss, the king, and the ruler of my life. And the Bible says when you do that, right that moment, the Bible says you're born again. A transformation begins to happen in your life that carries on for all eternity. That's what the scripture says. Some of you here today need to make that decision. But let me pause for a minute and ask you to just draw a line right there with me. I've just shared with you the gospel. But what today is about, I want to set the sermon aside for just a moment. Because now I want to go into a little time of training. I want to help you to be able to share the gospel yourself. With your friends, with your neighbors, with anyone who needs to hear it. That you can have it at you at all times and know how to do it. Two things I want to talk about. First, how do I start gospel conversations? And secondly, what is the gospel and how I can share it? Okay? Hang on tight. Here we go. Buckle your seatbelt. First of all, how can I start gospel conversations? Write this word down in your notes. Write it down as an acrostic. F-I-R-E. Fire. F-I-R-E. This is a proven way to start gospel conversations. Whether you're visiting in somebody's home, whether you've got a few minutes standing with them in line, uh, at the grocery store, whatever the case may be. F, family. Most of us have family. Anybody in the room here not born? Okay. That means all of you got family. All right. Now that family may be a mess, <laughs> and, and it may be, but we've all got family. Ask about the family. Okay, and that gets the conversation started. I, interest, you can find out just by watching and paying attention is what people's interests are. Okay, I was in somebody's home and I looked up there on their mantle and there was 10 bowling trophies. Okay, I know what I'm going to be asking them about next. Okay, interest, what is it that interests you? What is, what is it that you spend your time? That's the I. R, that's a religious question. Tell me about your spiritual journey. Tell me a little bit about your spiritual journey. Some people say, I ain't got no spiritual journey. Other people say, I believe in karma. Other people will tell you, I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. You can find out a lot just by asking people about their spiritual journey. But then the E is an exploratory question. An exploratory question. Here it is, very simple. If you were to die right now, do you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? If you were to die right now, do you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? You may have to ask this question a second time in a second way. So ask it this way. If you were standing before God and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? You may say, well, I think I've done more good in my life than I've done bad. And he'll say, that ain't going to get you in. I gave a lot of money. That's not going to get you in. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Yeah, but so-and-so's not standing before me right now. You are. Okay? The only answer is the gospel. 
The only answer is to say, I gave my heart and my life to Jesus Christ and I've been following him as my Lord ever since. That's the answer that lets you in. So fire, that's how you start gospel conversation. Start them this afternoon. Start some tomorrow. Get the conversations rolling. It might all happen at one time. It may be a conversation that goes over days or weeks. But this is how you get started. You've got to get started before you could ever get to the gospel. Okay, how do I share the gospel? I showed you one way just a few moments ago. I simply opened my Bible, I took two verses from Romans, Romans 3.23 and 6.23, and shared the gospel. That's easy. But you know, for some folks, they need a little help. So some of you, you enjoy tracks. I'll be right back up, don't worry about this camera. <laughs> some of you enjoy tracks, and so you can carry a track in your pocket. I used to do that an awful lot, and now I'm wearing shirts that don't have pockets, you know, so I've got a problem with that. Most of you have got one of these. As a matter of fact, most of you will leave home without your pants before you leave without this. <laughs> Some of you've done it. I, uh, yep, yep. Take this out for just a moment. I give you permission. I know I usually make you hide it and turn it off. Take this out for a moment. I want to give you two really great little apps. Yes, there's an app for that. That I keep these on my phone to where I can share them, and I share them often, okay? We're going to show them on, on, the, on the screen to where you can see those. But the first one that I want you to see is one called uh, Three Circles. But what you're going to look for is Life on Mission. Life on Mission. Go to your app store, have, wherever you get your apps, type in Life on Mission, and you'll see something like this. It says Life Conversation Guide, Three Circles. Okay? That's alright, you can do that now. I'm not going to be upset with you. You can be looking down. You can go ahead and download that. But you can wait till later if you want to. But let me tell you how this works. It's very simple. You just simply swipe it with your finger. And it shares the gospel presentation. Go to the next slide. Let me show you. Okay? Uh, that's, that's the written part, telling you how to do all that. So it's got cheat sheets to it. Okay? That's good. You start by drawing a circle here. This is God's, God's design. God designed this world beautiful. He, he designed a beautiful, wonderful world. But we have destroyed this world because of our sin. Next slide. Our sin, we explain what sin is. Sin is that attitude that says, I want what I want, and I don't care what I've got to do to get it. And that sin is caused brokenness. The next slide. Most of us have, have brokenness in our lives. Very few of us do not have brokenness in our lives. And that brokenness largely comes by try, we're trying to do life without Christ. We're trying to do life in our own power, in our own ability. So you see all these little arrows going out of the different ways that you try life. But now here's the gospel. Go ahead and put it back up. I, you, you did fine. Here's the gospel. Here's where you share the good news of Jesus Christ. And again, there's a little cheat sheet on here if you don't know exactly what that is. So what do I have to do? The next one, this is where you, you give your heart to Christ. That's the next one, guys. Show that next one, that little arrow that goes across there from brokenness. Okay? And you, you repent and you give your life to Jesus Christ. And then the next arrow returns you back to God's design. Once you have given your heart to Jesus Christ, you can live the life God purposed for you to live. Now when you get to the end of this, they say, is this a decision that you're ready to make? You click a button. And then it gives you a prayer that you can pray. <clears throat> if you say, no, I still have more questions, it'll take you to another app to where there's answers to other questions. This is Life on Mission. Download it, put it on your phone. Now I want to give you another one, all right? And, and, and the other one that I, I really enjoy using, let's quit that. And uh, 
It's called Life in Six Words. Life in Six Words. Okay, put that one up, guys. Life in Six Words. One of the things I really like about this is that, that it's, it's very visual. It's, it's very visual, a series of pictures. So go ahead, Paul, get to the next one. There it is. The first picture is this. God created us to be with him. Okay, very, very good graphic pictures in this. All right, God created us to be with him. The next slide is this, okay? Our sins separate us from God. So you talk about what sin is and how that's created the chasm between us. The next one, sins cannot be removed by good deeds. See all the suds right there and they're trying to clean everything up. I like this slide, one of my favorites right here. Because see, that's what we try to do. We try to clean ourselves up. But there are some things that are indelible. They just can't wash off, okay? So sins in our life cannot be removed by good deeds. The next one is this. Paying the price for sin, Christ died and rose again. That's where you tell the gospel. Jesus died for our sins, rose again for us to have eternal life. Next. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Next. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Now, these little things down at the bottom, you may see some little icons at the bottom. These are the cheat sheets. You don't have to memorize all this. You got all the cheat sheets that goes with it too. All right, next. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16, don't we love that? And here is the gospel in six words. God, our sins, paying everyone life. That spells gospel, Okay. Now, the next slide on here asks you that question. Are you ready to put your faith in Christ alone? You say you're ready. That takes you to a prayer and what you should do next. Then the other one says, well, I'm not, I have more questions. That takes you to another app that gives more answers to your questions. Life in six words. That's the second app that you can download on your phone. You always have this with you. Like I said, you go out without your britches before you go out without your phone. All right. So why not have the gospel on your phone to use? So download this. Here's what I want you to see right now. The gospel is so simple. Children can receive Christ. Yet it's so incredibly powerful that PhDs' lives are utterly transformed. You're never too old to receive the gospel. You're never too young to receive the gospel. The scriptures tell us that the time is now. You and I don't have the privilege of knowing how long we're going to be able to live on this planet. Fact of the matter is, things happen and in just a blink of an eye, life changes for us. That's why the scripture says, now is the day for death of salvation. Now is the time to set our heart right with God. So in just a moment, we're going to have a time of prayer. And I'm going to lead some of, those, some of you who really know this is your time. This, this is time for you to make that decision. You've read about the gospel in the Bible. You've heard me present it from the Bible. You've seen two other gospel presentations. And now it's time for you to make a decision. So in just a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer for that. But listen carefully. Don't be getting ready to leave because you ain't going nowhere yet. Okay? Many of you have other prayer cards. These are down here on the... Many of you have other prayer cards you want to bring to the altar to be praying for in a few moments after we finish praying, I'm going to invite you to bring your other prayer cards down here and join them with these. Some of you may want to come to the altar and pray. Some of you may want to come and unite with our fellowship. You want to be a part of a church that is zealous about seeing people come to faith in Christ. I'm going to invite you to come at that time as well. Tony's going to be right over here. Eric's going to be right over here. I'm here if you need me. But right now, I want us to pray. And I especially want us to pray for people right here in this building 
and that are watching by video who need to make the decision to make Christ their Lord right now. You bow your heads with me and let's pray. Spirit of the living God, I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've been tugging at hearts even as people got up this morning, even last week, but especially this last hour, witnessing adults as well as children make decisions for faith in Christ, hearing the gospel presented so clearly. Lord, it's time for me to do business with you. Father, anybody in this room right now who wants to receive Christ, will you encourage them just to pray with me right now? Matt, let my words be their words. They don't have to shout it out, but they, in the depths of their heart, just to say, Dear God, I confess to you, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I've been doing life my way, I want to turn my life over to you. I dare to believe that you died to take my sins upon yourself and you rose again so that I could have eternal life. Come into my heart. Cleanse me and forgive me. I crown you as the king, the boss, the Lord of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Father, I know on the authority of your word, you never reject anybody praying a prayer like that. And so in the next few moments, as Ed begins to lead us in this song, some people are going to come and put their prayer cards on the altar. Others are going to come and pray for people that they're burdened to come to faith in Christ. Some are going to join our fellowship. But Lord, I pray especially for those who today have dared to pray along with the pastor that they will come and let us rejoice with them. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. We want to rejoice that they've prayed to receive you into their hearts today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Will you stand, please? As Ed leads us in this song, as I'm praying, God's got great things he wants to do. Don't wait till the last verse. Come on the first verse. Come right away.
remind you this evening now, if you have children, go to the school that those children are going to be with. One of our ministers is going to be at each of those. Otherwise, come here. We're going to just have a time to pray for this year, that it will be a, a wonderful year for our students, for our teachers, and all involved. And that we'll continue to have opportunity to speak life into our school systems. So that's tonight at 6 o'clock. Let's be dismissed. Father, as the doors open, they open on us opportunity. An opportunity to step out and share the gospel that has so radically transformed our lives with others who desperately need to hear. Father, you have equipped us today. You've given us tools we didn't even know we had available to us. What excuse do I have? I'm running out of excuses, Lord. You're bringing people to my awareness that need to come to faith in you. You're burdening me with people who need to come to love you. And now you're equipping me so I know what to do. So what am I to do? I think you're calling me to go just like you've sent every disciple. Go and make disciples. May we be very careful to say yes to you. Not just with our lips, but with our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.